glad to be saved, say amen. 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 We're going to start in verse number 23 because we stopped in verse 22 the week before Easter. Uh, as you know, if you've been coming a while, we've been going through the book of Matthew and learning a lot. Amen. And uh, we talked about the rich young ruler last time we was in this chapter, and we're going to review that just a, a smidgen today because what happened there is the reason why Jesus says what he says, what we're going to study today. So let's jump right in there and look in verse number 23. If you found your spot, Matthew 19, 23, say amen. Amen. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you. Now anytime God goes to using the word verily, you need to verily pay attention. Are y'all with me? He's saying, perk up. Listen, what I'm fixing to tell you is very important or verily important. Amen. The rich man, a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's going to be real hard for a wealthy man to make it to heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Well, then who can be saved? And Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be, and the last shall be first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity today to just dig in your word and study your word. I thank you for the good spirit in this place. I thank you for the good crowd. I thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, everything we have is because of you. And all the hope we have is because of you. Salvation is because of you. A heavenly home is because of you. And Lord, we glorify you today and we ask the Holy Spirit to have his way. Lord, guide everything that's said and done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. God will praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. There's always a danger. There's always a danger when reading the Bible to take something that is said out of context. There's always a danger in taking one little portion and not reading what came before or not reading what came after and decide to build a theology or a belief around that. And I'm telling you this today. Don't leave here saying what this verse is not saying. Let me say that again. 
Don't leave here saying what these verses are not saying. Are y'all with me? Say amen. For instance, these verses here are not saying that all rich people are going to hell. Okay? It is not saying that. It is not saying that rich people are inherently wicked. It is not saying that. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that some of God's chosen people, some of the godliest people in the Bible were some of the wealthiest people in the Bible. Abraham, wealthy. Isaac, wealthy. Jacob, wealthy. Listen, Abraham was a friend of God, wealthy. David was a man after God's own heart, wealthy. Solomon was probably wealthier than any human that ever has lived. Godly. Somebody say amen. amen. Has nothing to do with that. And it's not saying that. It is not saying that money is evil. It is not saying money is evil. I, 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 it it, it just, just blows my mind every time I hear somebody. They say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. Well, first thing, you need to throw the Bible you have that says that away. Because that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money, money is like a shovel. You can plant a tree with it or you can hit somebody over the head with it. You can use it for good or you can use it for, are y'all with me? Yes, and you can take money and it can corrupt you and you can use it for evil purposes. But you can also take that same money and build hospitals with it, build orphanages with it, build churches with it, send missionaries to the foreign field. I need a witness. Money's not evil. Money has nothing to do with it. It's what it does to us that we got to be careful. Now, in order to understand what Jesus is saying right here, you got to connect it with what we studied two weeks ago. With the rich young ruler. How many of y'all was here two weeks ago and you remember the rich young ruler, right? This young man comes to Jesus and he's wanting to know, what do I need? What am I lacking? What do I got to have? I need, I want, what can I do? Say that with me. What can I, what can I do? I want eternal life. What can I do? Jesus, I tell you what, what's the law say? What's the law say? And he begins to list some of the commandments and he said, oh, I've done all them. I've done all them. In other words, I'm good. I'm good. And we find out, and I'm not going to rehash that message because I don't have time, but if you'll go back and listen to it again, you'll find out he wasn't as good as he thought he was. Because he coveted money. He was not willing to give up something to gain everything. And he had an issue. He had an issue. He had to realize that there is no good thing you can do. There is nobody that's good. The Bible says there, have, there is none righteous, no, not one. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so this man turned around, walked away from Jesus sorrowfully, sorrowfully, because money had a grip on him. He had great possessions. Listen, now we see what Jesus is saying. Let's go into these verses now. Jesus sees that. He sees the young man walking away uh, who is sorrowful because of what Jesus just taught him. And now watch what Jesus says. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, right after this took place, right after this happened, he said, Verily I say unto you, 
that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of God. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. We see a revelation. A revelation. God reveals something to his disciples. Jesus tells them something. He says, it's going to be real hard for a wealthy person to make it into the kingdom of God. It's going to be real difficult. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, somewhere along the ninth century, somebody came up with this idea that the eye of a needle was a certain gate in Jerusalem and it was way smaller than all the rest of them and the camel had to get down on his knees and take the, the, the burdens off his back and kind of crawl through and, it, and that has nothing to do with this. There's no such thing. Uh, this is a eye and this is a, a camel. Are y'all with me? Now, it is impossible. It is impossible. He's revealing the difficulty that is facing a rich person. Now, why is that? Why is that? Let's look at a couple verses. In Deuteronomy 8.13, 8.13 it says, And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, this is God talking to the nation of Israel uh, this, the, the second time before they go into the promised land. He says, And thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. What is he saying? He's warning them that when you become increasingly wealthy, when you have been blessed and your socks have been blessed off, you're going to be tempted to forget God. You're going to be tempted to forget where all that came from. By the way, in the declaration for the, uh, the, the, the day of prayer, Abraham Lincoln said, we've been blessed like crazy. God has blessed us in an incredible way. But we are a nation who has forgotten God. And I would agree. Listen, watch what it says in Mark four nineteen, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. And the lust of other things entering in. Watch what it does. Choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. This is talking about the sower and the seed. There will be some people who hear the word, but the riches of this world and the lust and desire for many things is deceitful and it will trick you and the word will have no power in your life. First Timothy six, nine, watch what he tells Timothy. Paul is telling Timothy, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, a trap, a trap. That's what a snare is. Into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, why would Jesus say, why would Jesus say it's very difficult for a rich man to find his place in heaven? Why, why does he say that? From everything we read, I, I, I truly believe this. Because there is a danger to those who are very wealthy to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. Self-reliant and self-sufficient. Now, what do you mean by that? If you will look in Mark, Mark's chapter, Mark's gospel records the same story. And there is a phrase that's added when Jesus said this. It is not only hard for a rich man to make it to heaven. It's because he trusts in his riches. He trusts in his riches. Preacher, what are you saying? Somebody tell me the title. What's the title of this lesson? 
Say it again. Now, I know what some of y'all thought when y'all read that. There ain't nothing blessed about bankruptcy. (laughs) Bankruptcy means you have nothing. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And by the time we get through, you'll understand where we're going. What is Jesus trying to, what, what did we learn? What did we learn about the rich young ruler? We learned, this is the bottom line. You cannot get saved till you first get lost. You cannot get saved until you first get, get lost. And what Jesus is trying to teach us here, that bankruptcy is a blessing. Because as long as you think you have what it takes to get in, you will never get in. You have to come to the end of yourself. you got to come to the end of who you are and realize you have nothing to offer God. Spiritually, you are bankrupt and unable to do anything for yourself. What does he say? With men, this is impossible. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So there's a revelation that blows their mind. It blows their mind. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because they don't think they need anything. When you're poor, it's no problem feeling a need. Are y'all with me? That's why you go to work every day. I seen a sign that said, I owe, I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. Are y'all with me? You know you have a need. That's why I, w- I was talking, I, I th- I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's Brother Yearwood who had gone to, uh, uh, gone to Africa. And he said some of those children and some of those people over there was just as happy as they could be. They had so much joy. But the difference between them and the people in America is they had to pray to God today for the meal they were going to try to find tomorrow. What did they know? They know and they knew they needed God. But what's happened to America? We're the wealthiest country in the world. Most poor people here in America are still richer and live like kings compared to many places in the world. Why is it difficult for a rich man to get into heaven? Because he doesn't have a feel for a need. He doesn't think he needs anything. And you can have all the money in the world and still be spiritually bankrupt. Do I have a witness? Amen. We see a revelation. Then number two, we see a reaction. (laughs) We see a reaction. Look what the disciples do. They couldn't believe what they just heard. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed saying, say it with me. Let's say it loud. Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Now, why would they say that? Because in their culture, in their past history, they believed that if you were wealthy, then that meant God had blessed you. And if you were poor, that meant God had cursed you. If you were healthy, God had blessed you. If you were sick, God had Cursed you. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when the disciples walked up on the man that was born blind? You remember what they said? Who did sin? Who did sin? His mother or him for him to be born blind? Are y'all with me? And Jesus did that eye roll. 
Because they associate it good with blessing and bad with cursing. Now, where do they get that from? Possibly Deuteronomy 28. God told the nation of Israel before they went into the promised land. And if you'll read, if you'll read these two chapters close together, you'll see there's a bunch of blessings that he promises them and a bunch of cursings, a bunch of cursing. And he said, choose the blessing. You've got a choice. You can choose to be blessed or you can choose to be cursed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch what it says. And it shall come to pass. If thou shalt hearken diligently into the voice of the Lord, thy God to observe, to do all of his commandments, which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And he said, also, if you don't, all the curse is going to come on you. So in their mind, in their mind, they associated wealth with God's blessing. So the more wealthy you were, the more blessed you were, the happier God was with you. Does this make sense? So in their mind, in their mind, a wealthy person could buy whatever sacrifice that they needed. They even associated the amount of giving the amount of giving with their spirituality. That's why it blew their mind. Y'all remember when the widow came in and she cast in her might? You remember when she put in her offering, Jesus turned around and taught everybody that this widow woman has given more than everybody else. And they couldn't, what what do you mean? How, How is that possible? She just gave just a little old bit because your giving by God is not determined on what you give is how much you keep. Let me say that again. Your giving is not determined by God on how much you give, but how much you keep. Someone can give way more than you, even if it's not the same number you give, because it's what you kept behind. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But see, they associated goodness, blessing, salvation with all of this stuff. And so so now when Jesus says this, this, what he says... They're thinking, well, dear God, if this rich man here can't get in, we don't have a prayer. Can y'all see that? I'm so glad that salvation is not based on my 401k. I'm glad that, listen, our way to heaven is not based on how much we give in the offering. It has nothing to do with that. But in their mind, and see, this is why they struggled so bad. And this is why the, the religious people who, who were very religious, kept many of the laws, and most of them were quite wealthy, could not stand it when Jesus hung out with the outcasts. He hung out with publicans and sinners. He hung out with the people nobody would hang out with. And they could not understand how someone from God who would hang out because they associated wealth with spirituality. Are y'all following me so far? Who's going to be saved then? Who's got a chance to be saved? If this man can't be saved or this man has a difficult time, then we're, there's no way we're going to get in. Well, then we have a response. Number three. We see a revelation. Jesus says, it's going to be hard for a wealthy man to make it into the kingdom of heaven. The reaction is this. Well, then who can be saved? Because of their formal understanding and their former uh, former 
uh, uh, belief when it came to wealth and spirituality. So Jesus responds to the question. Keep in mind, keep in mind, this response that we're talking about is a response to the question they just asked. If that makes sense, say amen. What we're fixing to read, what we're fixing to read in what Jesus says is a response to the question, who then can be? Is everybody with me on the same page? So what does Jesus say and how does Jesus respond to the question, who then can be saved? Watch what he says. Watch what he says. In verse number 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, with men, this is, all right, now before we read the rest of it, let's, let's tag that with the question, who can be saved? Jesus says, with men, this is, what does that mean? See, this is, this is what ties in the whole thing with the rich young ruler. With yourself, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's, hallelujah. There is nothing you can give to save yourself. When it comes to the subject of salvation with men... This is impossible. No one can make it in. No one can be good enough. No one can do enough good deeds. No one can give enough offerings. No one can do enough service. No one can attend enough church. No one can teach enough sermons. No one is righteous. No, not one. When it comes to man, it is impossible for them to get to heaven. Nobody can do it. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. Now you say, you say, preacher, I don't know what you're hallelujah. And you're just telling us it's impossible for us to get to heaven. No, I just declared to you that nobody's got a better chance than I do. Y'all with me? Now, now, if you don't think that wealth has its advantages here on this earth, you're fooling yourself. Wealthy people get away with murder. Wealthy people can get out of stuff you can't get out of. Wealthy people can get stuff that you can't get. And I know, I know people say, oh, well, money can't buy happiness. No, but it sure knocks the edge off of poverty. (laughs) Y'all with me? But you know what? When it comes to salvation in heaven, we're all equal. We're all equal. You may can buy more stuff till we get to the grave. But when the grave comes, we're on the same footing. Because with men, even rich men, this is impossible. That's the whole point. Jesus isn't against rich people. 
Because Jesus, does the Bible not say in the Old Testament that it is God who gives the power to gain wealth? Does the scripture not say that? So, so if it was inherently evil, God wouldn't be making people that way. Are y'all with me? So that's not what Jesus is saying. He's trying to tell you that if you depend and put your trust on anything but the Lord Jesus Christ, it is impossible to get to heaven. This rich young ruler was trusting in his wealth. He was trusting in his goodness. He was trusting in his own human ability. And Jesus is saying with man, no matter the man's ability, no matter the man's intelligence, no matter the man's education, no matter the man's heritage, no matter the man's background, it is impossible. Impossible. But, (laughs) but with God, come on. But with all things are. Now what is this? Remember? Remember what this is a response to? It's a response to the question, who can be? Well, with men, it's impossible. But with God. All things can be possible. That means all men have the opportunity to get in. I don't, I don't care where you were born. I don't care your background. I don't care what you have in the bank. I don't care if you've never been to the bank. With God... All things are possible. With God, all the limitations on earth are taken away. All the obstacles are removed. All of the, listen, the ground is level at the cross. Rich man and poor man die alike. Smart man and ignorant man die alike. We all come to God bankrupt. The rich man has to realize he has nothing in his hand he can bring. Every man has to realize there is nothing in his hand he can bring. Only to the cross can we cling. I listened to two songs on the way to work. It's usually my favorite favorite radio station coming to work because they usually got a banjo on there sometime. It's old gospel singing, you know. And I heard, I heard two different songs, and I can't remember the, the second one, but both of them kind of irritated me. And it probably wouldn't have irritated me as much as I haven't been studying what I've been studying in the last few weeks. One of them was, I'm building a staircase to heaven. I'm building it one step at a time. And Jesus is going to meet me halfway. And I'm thinking, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. You ain't got the tools to do it. Jesus ain't going to meet you halfway. He ain't going to do a quarter of the work. He said, it is finished. Jesus done it all. 
And then another one's about climbing a mountain. There's a mountain in, in, the, in the, uh, the fountain of life was at the top and I wanted to go. And, 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 and Jesus said, take my hand and start climbing. Start climbing. What chapter did you find that in? In other words, they're climbing their way and it's hard, but we're going to get there to that eternal. Please. Listen, the only hill that was climbed was Calvary. You're not going to get to heaven by climbing anything. You're not going to get to heaven by building anything. The only way you're going to get to heaven is by kneeling at Calvary and begging God to save your old wretched soul. It's impossible for you to do anything to be saved. It's impossible for you to give anything to be saved. It's impossible with men, but with God, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your heritage. It doesn't matter how far out into sin you are. He will save you. But he'll never save you till you find yourself bankrupt. Because you'll never look up till you're tired of hitting the bottom. You'll never see a need till you're bankrupt. And let me tell you something. You could have all the money in the bank and still be bankrupt. Why do you think this rich young ruler came seeking Jesus? The Bible says he ran to him. You know why? There was something missing. There was something missing. He could buy anything he wanted to buy. He could go anywhere he wanted to go. He can have anything he wanted to have. But there was something missing. He, he was not financially bankrupt, but he was spiritually bankrupt. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. He wasn't willing to admit it. He says, all those commandments I've done from my youth. He was bankrupt and didn't even know it. And all God's people said. All right, let's review. Let's review real quickly. Number one, we see a, everybody say it loud, a. Jesus reveals it's going to be hard for somebody who is self-sufficient in their own self, who thinks they can offer something to get to heaven, who doesn't realize that they are bankrupt spiritually and desperately in need of God. Number two, we see a... Because of false teaching, they believe that wealth equals spirituality. That the more you have was all God's blessings on you. And, and if you didn't have anything, that was God's cursings on you. And by the way, there's still a there's still a there's still a tension of that around. It's called prosperity gospel preaching. That if you are right with God, then you're going to drive a Mercedes and live in a paid-off house and have everything you want and ask for. Boy, I tell you what, can you imagine if all of the apostles were alive today? When some were bold and old, some were, listen, beheaded, some were sawed in half, some were crucified upside down. Can you imagine if the apostles would sit in some of these church services and hear some of these individuals preach the gospel that they're preaching today? They had run them out of town. Listen, wealth has nothing to do with God's blessings. 
Poverty has nothing to do with God's blessings. There are people today that's in poverty and they've chosen that for the glory of God. And God is tickled with them. There's people today who's unbelievably wealthy and are wicked as can be. So don't associate those two things together. Wealth does not make you bad and it does not make you good. Poverty doesn't make you bad and it doesn't make you good. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Jesus' response, he wants them to understand that with man salvation is impossible. With man getting to heaven is impossible. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how rich you are, doesn't matter. But with God, say it with me. All things are possible. With God, we can get in. With God, we can be forgiven. With God, we can make it to heaven's shore. Say amen. One more thing. One more thing. Number four. We see a reminder. A reminder. Good old, good old Peter speaks up. He can't help it, y'all. I... <laughs> Everybody relates to John and all these other, not me, I relate to Peter. Because, you know, sometimes I stick my mouth all the way to the kneecap. <clears throat> my foot in my mouth, just like Peter. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's in it for us? We've forsaken all. We've forsaken all. And, and by the way, he, he wasn't, he's, they did. They walked away from their ships. They walked away from their nets. They walked away from their careers to follow Jesus. So he's not lying here. He's saying, what's in it for us? What's in it for us? How many of y'all remember? How many of y'all remember? I don't see no clock, so I'm going to just keep preaching until it's over with. <clears throat> Did Jesus not say, does Jesus not say, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my Unless a man, watch this now, unless a man forsaketh all that he, he cannot be my. Now we don't, we don't understand this in America like many places across the world. You have given money, thank the Lord, and I thank you for your generosity, to plant churches in Nigeria that when they testify that they are a Christian, they're taking their life in their own hands. You have, you have given missions money to plant churches in areas of India where when they trust in Christ, their family kicks them out, disowns them, and actually has a funeral for them, although they're still alive. So what are they doing? They're choosing Jesus over everything. They will get this. They have forsaken houses. They have forsaken lands. They have forsaken family. They've chosen Jesus above all else. And watch what Jesus turns around and says. Verse 28. Here's the reminder to Peter. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration... Now, the regeneration is when Jesus comes back and reigns from Israel. You see, the Lord Jesus, the one we preach about every Sunday, and the one we sing about, the one who walked the streets of, of, of Jerusalem, who came from Bethlehem, who grew up in Nazareth, 
That same one that walked on water, the same one that touched blinded eyes that they could see, the same one that turned one lad's lunch into a smorgasbord and fed thousands of people, the one that brought Lazarus out of the ground, the one that was crucified on an old rugged cross, put in a tomb, three days he rose again, that same one is coming back. And he's going to land on the Mount of Olives. And, he's, and by the way, we're going to be standing there in, in, in just a few months, say amen. He's going to walk across the Kidron Valley. He's going to go through the Eastern Gate. And he's going to assume the throne of his father David. And he's going to rule this world, the whole earth. Do you realize Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world? That's what Jesus is talking about. In the regeneration, when Jesus changes things. Now, we studied in, in Wednesday night, so if you missed Wednesday night, you didn't get none of this goodness, but you found out that this world's going to be changed. The economy's going to be changed. Nature, nature is going to be changed. Now, when you turn on National Geographic today, a zebra will run from a lion. Are y'all with me? A zebra, a, a, an antelope, a deer will run from the cheetah. But when Jesus comes back in the millennial reign, the cheetah and the lion and the, and, and, and the gazelle and the zebra and, and, uh, and, the, and the giraffe are going to be hanging out together. Are y'all with me? And the little baby child can pick up an adder and a viper and everything. Be, I'm still not sure about that one. Say amen. I know it will be okay, but I still don't think I'm going to do it. Amen. That's what Jesus is talking about. We're going to live a long time. He's going to rule in perfect reign. Are y'all with me? This is, this is reality. I'm telling you guys. I'm, this is not a fairy tale. This is, not, this is not a hope so story. This is not a good thing for a movie. This is going to be real. Why do you think they call him the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Because he's coming back to reign. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. That in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, that's talking about in Jerusalem, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You're going to judge with me. And by the way, guys, by the way, so will everybody that's born again. So will all the church. We're going to rule and reign with Christ. What does the Bible say about all the saved? They are joint heirs with Christ. That means whatever Christ has, you have. Whatever Christ owns, you own. Are y'all with me? We're going to rule with Jesus. Who cares what you give up in this short time we have? When you're going to own it all. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Yeah, some of y'all don't believe it. That's why you ain't smiling right now. <laughs> Watch this. Not only that. That means when Jesus comes back, it's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I'm going to rule and reign. I'm going to ask for the Bahamas myself. <laughs> King Malcolm. Duke of Nassau. <laughs> Amen. Hey, man, got to have a dream, y'all. See, we laugh because we don't understand that this is going to be a reality. We're going to literally 
reign with Christ over this earth. Are y'all with me? But I know what you're thinking. Well, what about, what about now? Watch what Jesus says. This is great. And verse 29, and how many? Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, what is he talking about there? In the other gospel, he says, in this time, in this time. In other words, here on earth, before Jesus comes back. The first part was in the, in the millennial reign. This part is before he comes back. Now, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Does that mean if you give up a house in Jesus' name, he's going to give you a hundred? That's got your name on the title? Does that mean he's going to give you a hundred mamas? And a hundred sisters? And a hundred brothers? What's he talking about? He's talking about the church. Let me explain. Your family may kick you out. Your mama may disown you. Your granny may not have anything else to do with you. Your brothers and sisters may not speak to you again. But God takes you out and puts you in a family. That no matter where you go on this planet, you've got family. Have you ever been traveling and seen people in another state or in another country who were believers and all of a sudden you just felt like family? That's what he's talking about. Your earthly family, your fleshly family may disown you, but God's going to give you a hundred mamas and a hundred daddies and a hundred pawpaws and a hundred grannies and a hundred and thousands of brothers and sisters all over this earth that will take you into their homes. And that's exactly what happened. Listen, I don't care where I go. I can go in another state and I can get around God's people and I feel like they're my brother and sister. You know why? Because they are. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's still going to bless you. He's still going to keep you. He's still going to love you. He's still going to give, give you people that will love you and care for you. Somebody say amen. And watch this. Verse 30. But many that are shall be. And the last. I always thought that. <clears throat> When I was growing up and I'd hear that as a kid, I always thought that, well, I hope I'm last now because I want to be first. <laughs> it always helped me in school because my last name started with C. So I was to the, y'all with me? Yeah. Sad for them people. It was named Ward. <laughs> or Yoder. They was toward the end of everything until the teacher said, we're going backwards this time. Then they went right to the front. Now, I used to think that that means everybody that's, you know, first in line down here will be last up there. But what Jesus is saying 
It's, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's saying everything's going to be equal. There's not going to be any hierarchy. There's not going to be any, you know, people that's got it all and people that has nothing. There's not going to be, it's going to be equal. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying quit worrying about what everybody has down here and what you don't. God is the great equalizer. We're all going to get, well, I say we're all going to get what we deserve. We're going to get what we don't deserve. If we got what we did deserve, we'd go to hell. But we're going to get heaven. And, 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 and let me tell y'all something. You can be all the woke you want to be on this earth, but there's not going to be true equality till the king of kings comes. Period. Now, if you think politicians, you think politicians are trying to make everything equal, that's why their bank accounts are getting fatter and fatter, and they're taxing you to death. So don't, don't get caught up in all this false hype. There's not going to be true equality. There's not going to be true uh, blessing in a level plane till Jesus comes back. Because see, with man, this is impossible. But with God, say it with me. If you're trusting in your goodness, if you're trusting in your attendance to church, if you're trusting in the offerings you've given, if you're trusting in who you know or who your pawpaw was, I'm telling you, it's impossible. The only way to make it to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Can we just take a minute and give God glory and praise for making it equal getting into heaven?